Hey, everybody. You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. Hi. How are you? What's new? What's going on? How is, uh, well, you know what? Happy New President's Day, everybody. <laughs> uh, big change here in America for those of you listening overseas. Uh, we have a brand new president, brand new vice president. Uh, big change for a lot of people in this country. Um, a really inspiring change for a lot of folks in this country. Uh, and it uh, just goes to show that uh, democracy still kind of works, right? To a certain extent, we still have a bit of control over uh, who uh, stands in front of us and uh, leads this country, which is great, which is a good thing. I know a lot of people are celebrating today. Um, I feel good about it as well. I think in general, I think it's a, a really important for us to see the positive effects of coming together and having a good plan and, and uh, you know, doing your research. Uh, but also, I would warn folks that uh, today is also uh, a day that makes a lot of people unhappy in our country. And I would also say to those folks that, you know, there'll be another time in four years that you can make your decision too, you know? And I'm not claiming one side's better than the other. I'm just saying that it's a great thing that we live in a country where if we don't like things, um, we can make active efforts to change it. And listen to me not being cynical. <laughs> How long has it been since you haven't heard me have a cynical thought about politics? Um, but today is great. Today's a good day for that. And I hope you guys are all celebrating. Um, and I would say this too. Look, as we look back on our past three years uh, in this country... Uh, I would also say that it may be worth your while to sort of examine uh, social media and how social media works and how social media works in your life and how important is it for you. Now, I know there's a lot of folks of you out there that are like myself, where we use social media to get your attention without the power of Instagram without the power of Facebook, you guys wouldn't even know I have a podcast. I mean, half of you fuckers that follow me on there every day go, you have a podcast? <laughs> I've been doing this shit for three years, man. <laughs> Where the fuck have you been? Um, so yeah, this, you know, I find myself consistently on it. That's how I book new guests. That's how I talk to you guys. That's how we do our contests. That's how we stay interactive. It is literally the delivery device right now for my work and for my art. But I also recognize the negative effects that social media has had on me. And uh, just last night, for instance, I was feeling drained, right? Do you ever get that way? Where like you've just been on it for so long where you're writing to people or you're responding to people or you're sharing memes or whatever the fuck it is you do on there and by the end of the night you're just exhausted and you really haven't done much of anything it's not like you've been out mowing the lawn or or you know cleaning out your closet and you still feel physically exhausted and i think it's just from a dopamine overload i think your body eventually hits a point where it's like dude give me a fucking break okay not everything's great 
Um, and there's been a lot of negative effects of social media through our politics, through our social lives uh, over the past three years. Um, and part of me also wonders uh, how intense this whole quarantine thing would have been without, with a lack of social media. Now, I'm not saying it's this big evil entity that exists out there. I'm just saying that the way we use it, as usual, as human beings, we come up with something that is super cool, a shared consciousness, the ability to learn from folks, the ability uh, to understand that if someone learns something, then they make it easy for me to learn that thing, and then we can like progress faster as a society in theory. But as always, as humans, we figured out a way to make it about uh, tits, cheeseburgers, cats. <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, and maybe I'm off on this tangent because I just finished uh, listening to Ready Player Two. Uh, for those of you who have been listening to the show, you guys know that I've been using my Audible account to listen to Ready Player Two. And it's taken me way too fucking long. I'm ashamed to, to say that it takes me forever to get through a book. Um, but it was pretty good. Have you guys read it? Have you guys listened to it? If you want to listen to it, let me do a plug. If you want to listen to it, then uh, sign up for a free trial at Audible. If you haven't done so already through another podcast, you can sign up through us. And it's a great way to get us some money. Uh, we'll have the link below the episode. I think it's audibletrial.com backslash in love of the process. Uh, there, if you sign up, and if you haven't done so already, uh, you'll get 30 days free access to Audible. You'll get a free audiobook. Um, and in that time period, you also get access to like their podcast. They have all sorts of other really great productions that come with the, um, the trial. So definitely check it out, click below. And if you find after 30 days, you're like, look, I really can't afford this. I don't have the cash for this. Um, then you can cancel. We'll still get paid. So it doesn't matter either way to us, but I know you're going to want to stick around. I've been on it for quite some time because it takes me forever to read a book. And every month, if you are a member, every month you get a credit for a new book, um, which is great. So I've got like three or four credits that I, I'm trying to find great books to read. So if you're listening actually to the show and you have a favorite book, what I'm looking for is something to escape with, okay? Because I got a bunch of other books that I'm reading that are technical right now. I was just going through a Sanskrit book for uh, research on a project and I was, I'm dealing with uh, Joseph Campbell stuff right now. So if it comes to Audible, I think it's going to be something scary, maybe sci-fi, scary, sci-fi horror. Um, and I'm looking to dig deep here, guys. So if you got a great suggestion, if, if you love a book, uh, drop me a note on Instagram at Mike Petchy and uh, let me know what I should listen to. Uh, for those of you uh, who are interested in listening to Ready Player Two, like I said, sign up for our free trial at Audible. Wow, I did a read first thing in the show. That was natural. Mm. Well, anyway, I'm excited. Today's episode is about celebrating all the cool new stuff that we have as we push into 2021. And by cool stuff, first and foremost, I mean the music, the stuff that you're listening to. Who are we listening to right now? This is Orkla Drive.
These guys are pretty rad. Uh, one of the many uh, synthwave, new retrowave uh, bands that uh, have agreed to be on the show. This is what I love about this podcast. Uh, I started playing synthwave because I'm I love it. I dig it. I dig the vibe. It's very nostalgic for me. It makes me feel like I'm watching a lot of old John Carpenter movies, maybe some of the original Nightmare on Elm Street movies. That's because I'm a kid of the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, that was when I was 13, 14. That was when I was the most influenced by the movies that I saw. You know, I remember watching Dreamscape. Fuck, that movie fucked me up as a kid. Um, and uh, ever since then, I, I consistently, whenever I'm writing movie ideas or doing stuff, I'm always thinking about sequences in that movie because genuinely it scared the hell out of me because I was at that age. Um, and so it's no surprise when I stumbled across uh, the synthwave stuff uh, quite some time now, a while ago. But when I stumbled across it, I fell in love with it because it makes me remember all those great films from my youth. So it's it's nostalgic. It started as a nostalgic thing, but uh, I really grew to appreciate the art, really grew to appreciate um, using synths to compose music, really dig it. And it's interesting to watch this scene that I know started as a nostalgic thing and sort of has developed into its own genre and has progressed in the progression of that. Um, so it's really cool, really exciting, and I'm fucking pumped to be able to introduce a lot of this to uh, new listeners with the show. And I've heard from you guys and girls, and you guys have said that you love the music on the show. Well, get ready, because this season, this year, I have a ton of it. <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of really great music coming your way. Uh, we actually started the show with uh, Betamax. Hold on, let me see if I can play that track again. If you can't guess, I'm live mixing today, so bear with me as I do this. Let's see, what was that opening? These guys are great. Betamax is really great. It was a good get for us on the show. I said right what do you think when you hear that it's like that opening brings you into an old horror movie and then they bring in the dance beat and you're like it's okay that I'm listening to this in the car <laughs> uh, these guys are great Betamax we're gonna be playing on today's episode we're gonna be playing a bunch of the new tracks from new artists um, that are giving us music for the show. And we're going to pay some respects to our old friends that have been on the show for quite some time. And uh, as I said on the last episode, lots of new cool things on the horizon. Um, and one of those things have been sponsors. We've got new sponsors for the show. Uh, and really great fucking sponsors. And as I said in prior episodes, I like to hunt out people that I love their product, that I want to use their product, that I believe in their product or I believe in the way they run their business. And so for the past three years, that's why I've had a working relationship with Puget Systems. I love those guys, but also uh, Quasar Science and the other folks from the, from the past that we've had on the show, like Azo and uh, Rule Broadcast 
from Boston, all those guys love them. And we cherry pick our sponsors because we know that you guys are going to love them too. Um, in today's episode, I want to sort of revolve around one of our new sponsors. Now, I know you're like, Mike, is this an advertisement show? Well, to a certain extent, sure it is. But it's because uh, I feel like there's a lot of really good content with these guys uh, and relevant content to what the show is. Um, so I'm excited to introduce you guys. If you haven't been to their website yet, if you don't own any of their t-shirts, uh, to Movie Tees. So it's M-O-V-I-T-E-E-S. And if you've been following me on Instagram, you've seen me posting my favorite t-shirts from these guys. Um, I love them. And why do I love this company? Because I'm a nerd. I'm a film nerd. Uh, I border on being a film elitist. <laughs> if you caught me a few years ago, I'd probably be a film elitist. But as I get older, I'm sort of getting over that and just sort of embracing. It's okay to embrace the things I love. Mm. And what I love about their t-shirts is that you can wear them and they're so, they're such like a movie nerd thing that you can wear them, walk into a room, or these days do a Zoom call, and you'll immediately find another like-minded person just because you're wearing this T-shirt. Um, and uh, if you go on over, let's do it right now, head on over to movietees.com and see what I'm talking about. <clears throat> but let me see. I don't think they give me anything to read here, but they said... Ah, okay, here's why I like these guys. Their slogan is that they're powered by great movies. And they're making fan art for dedicated fans looking for unique and exclusive items for their favorite films and TV shows. Uh, fan art that pays tribute to the TV and movie industry. Now, here's what's so cool about them. Head on over to Movie Tees with me right now. MovieTees.com. Um, and you can buy a t-shirt by choosing a film that you like. And what these guys do is they create the logos for the companies that are in all of our favorite movies, which is super nerdy and super cool, right? So on the easiest level for you guys to get, if you check out their alien stuff, they have all of the Nostromo from the ship. They have all the Nostromo logos that they've designed on t-shirts and hats, which I fucking dig. Um, those are really beautiful. I also got my hands on like this really cool Blade Runner one, which is essentially the white dragon noodle bar, which is where, say it with me, where Harrison Ford goes and has his noodles in the beginning of Blade Runner. And that scene, whenever I watch that scene, I cannot help but pause it and go in and make myself a bowl of ramen. I just can't. I have to. Every Something about that just reminds me of... The coolest Chinatown that you could ever go to, right? And if you think about the Chinatowns in our country, they've been so, like, I think, I think the coolest, it's a hard, it's a hard toss up between New York City's Chinatown and San Francisco's Chinatown. San Francisco's is much bigger, for sure. Um, but New York's has got all these, like, these nooks and crannies. Man, I can't wait to get out of COVID. I miss, don't you guys miss going into a city and like just going on a bar safari, going on like a restaurant safari. And the thing that I miss about New York are all those basement sort of nooks and crannies because there's so many people cram packed into that city that they're, they're looking for places, they're looking for real estate to put things. Uh, and if you walk, you make your way through Chinatown there, 
there's so many gems um, there. And one of the things I really miss about Manhattan is Manhattan still seemed to be keeping it like keeping its clutches on family run businesses, right? Little bodegas that are run by families, the little Chinese restaurants that are run by families, uh, bars and all that stuff. It just feels like it wasn't cool in Manhattan to be a chain, right? And sure, there are those spots you get into Times Square, you get into that area where it's just like TGI fucking Fridays and all that kind of shit. But most of Manhattan is still small little restaurants and and like chefs opening up places and experimenting and stuff like that. I miss that. I miss that. It's one of the things I really miss about the East Coast. And look, I'm not saying that Los Angeles doesn't have that. They totally do. Los Angeles has really great restaurants or had really great restaurants um, and great bars, but it's definitely more sprawled out. It's harder out here to do a bar safari, like a walking bar safari out here, because you have to literally get in the car and drive like 10, 15 minutes into different neighborhoods. And it's hard to find a neighborhood that has a bunch of them all there. Like maybe Silver Lake to a certain extent has that. Um, but I do miss that about New York. You can just walk block for block through like the East Village and just stop in different bars, stop in different places and have like all these different adventures in that city. And uh, San Francisco had that to a certain extent. San Francisco is a great place to go um, and go drink, go on a bar safari. It has some of my favorite restaurants in the country in San Francisco. Um, but it got kind of yuppie and like Silicon Valley, you know, driven, where a lot of those folks were sort of going in there and fucking up the system. What else is new? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so anyway, back to movie tease. What I wanted to do on today's episode was go through their website and talk about all the movies because their list of films that they have made merch for are literally uh, top, whatever the hell this is, top 100 list of all my favorite movies. Let me just get down here and hit some some big ones. Uh, 2001, obviously, but Army of Darkness. What did they have for an Army of Darkness shirt here? Hold on. Uh, they have the, the Hail to the King stuff, which is super cool. And they have S-Mart stuff, which is rad. Um, Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049. Uh, strangely, Clear and Present Danger. Have you guys ever seen Clear and Present Danger? It's part of the... Um, it was Hunt for Red October, Clear and Present Danger. Uh, what were the other ones? It's the Jack Ryan movies with Harrison Ford. Um, they were really... I remember them being cooler when I was a kid. I feel like now that I see them, they're kind of worn out a little bit, but they were definitely cooler films. Um, tell me that I'm an asshole if you don't agree with me. Uh, Collateral. I fucking love Collateral. Oh, cool. They have the Jazz Club t-shirt for that movie. Really cool. When's the last time you guys watched Collateral? I think it's one of Michael Mann's best. I love his obsession with... Uh, Nighttime Los Angeles. Like he was doing it before Nicholas Refn did it in Drive. Uh, and the thing that's fascinating about him is that uh, Michael Mann was a taxi uh, cab driver. And I think he was a taxi cab driver in Chicago. I don't think he was in Los Angeles. Um, but he knew, the, he knew it. He knew the life. And if you haven't seen this film, it stars Jamie Foxx and 
Tom Cruise. And uh, Jamie Foxx plays a taxi cab driver, and Tom Cruise plays a hitman, and they their two paths cross one night. Um, and it's amazing. The movie's gorgeous. And at the time, uh, Michael Mann was experimenting with the early uh, digital cameras, so the digital cinema cameras. I think he shot that on Vipers, I think is what he did. Um, which was interesting because that was still the period where they were, they were still trying to work out the kinks with the frames per second kind of thing going on, you know, whether or not it was 24p or whether or not it was something in between or the shutter just made things look a little too video-y. Um, but uh, the look on that film, because of those cameras, because of the really high ISO, so the ability to capture light and darkness, um, he did a really good job sort of... Um, capturing the essence of late night Los Angeles with the sodium vapor lights. And uh, yeah, he, I think he filmed that before LA changed all of their their city lights. Because there was a big moment here in Los Angeles for that, where they actually went from sodium vapor to LED, which drastically changed the way this city looks at night. Because before it had like sort of like that orangey, pinky orangey hue from the sodium vapor. And now it's all like this white LED look that's through the city, which is really crazy. Um, it's a fantastic fucking movie. Uh, Tom Cruise is really great in that movie, and Jamie Foxx murders it in that film. And uh, as always, um, the director has such a great taste in music. So his music selections for that movie were phenomenal. And that was sort of at the end, I, I think, of Michael Mann's best stuff, right? Because he did Heat which everybody loves, right? And then he did uh, the, in the Insider, which is an amazing movie. Um, and then he did that. So it was like back to back to back. He also did, he did, uh, what was the gangster movie that he did with Johnny Depp, who played Dillinger? Uh, that one didn't work out as well because he was using that same tech. Uh, so he's using that uh, video camera technology to sort of get the same sort of nighttime look for it. But and then when you're looking at it with period pieces, it just felt strange. It felt like a bunch of uh, period characters got in a time machine and walked across the court during a basketball game. <laughs> as far as the looks were concerned for that. And I think that was sort of like the, the fall of his stuff. Because then after that, he did the Miami Vice remake, which I wanted to be fucking cool. And everything about that looked really cool, but it's hard to say that that's a good movie. Um, but uh, speaking of Heat, the dudes over at Movie Tees also do a shirt for Heat. Ah, uh, fuck yeah. They do Jack's Demolition. Do you remember the scene in Heat when uh, Val Kilmer has to go buy the explosives? That business, they made the shirt for it. This is what I'm talking about with these guys. It is so nerdy. It is so subversive. That if you wear Jack's Demolition and someone in the room goes, fucking heat, you go, God damn it, this guy loves movies as much as I do. <laughs> That's why I love these cats. And going through this list, let's see, what other great movies do I love on here? Ah, they actually have stuff for this movie. Let's see if you guys know what movie this is. See, it's not just a car, it's a total image. An identity you have to go for. This isn't some high-tech sports car. Tell you the truth, it doesn't even handle that great. But that's not the idea, is it? What are we talking about here? Pussy, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Let's face it, Harry. 
the vet gets them wet. But it's not enough. If you really want to close escrow, well, you gotta have an angle. Suppose you have an angle. <laughs> it's killer. I mean, look at me. I'm not that much to look at. No, 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 I can be honest. But I got them lining up. And not just the skanks either. Well, some are. So what's the angle? <laughs> oh, no. Sorry. Trade secret. Okay. Just ask yourself. What do women really want? <laughs> Take these bored housewives married to the same guy for years. They're stuck in a rut. They need some release. Promise of adventure. A hint of danger. I create that for them. So basically you're lying your ass off the whole time. You see, I couldn't do that. <laughs> what are you, a boy scout? No, no, no. Think of it as playing a role with fantasy. I mean, you gotta work on their dreams. Get them out of their daily suburban grind for a few hours. And what about their husbands? Dickless. I mean, let's face it, if they took care of business, I'd be out of business, you know what I mean? <laughs> Those idiots. <laughs> okay, so it's really hard for me <laughs> to say I love this movie because I generally don't like Bill Paxton, but Bill Paxton's in this movie, and if you couldn't guess, uh, that was the uh, amazing Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, who recently has been doing some interesting posts on Instagram, but we'll get to that. Um, but have you guys figured out what movie this is? All right, if you haven't, it's True Lies. True Lies is an amazing movie. James Cameron directed this film. Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Bill Paxton, Tom Arnold, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis kills it in this movie. Uh, really good one. So if you guys haven't seen it yet and you're looking for something to watch, I'm sure it's streaming somewhere, go check out True Lies. And those of you who do love True Lies, Movie Tease makes, uh, I think, shirts and merch for the Omega Sector. I think which was uh, which was the branch that uh, Arnold was working for, um, and then Renquist, the corporate art consulting company. Those are like deep, deep, deep dives. I wouldn't know those shirts. <laughs> I love these guys for that. Um, so let's see. Let's let's talk about another one here. Let's go through a list. I like playing little scenes like this. Let's see if you guys know what movie. This is, this one's not hard. You guys better know what this is. What's your drink, dude? White Russian, thanks. White Russian. How's the smut business, Janky? I wouldn't know, dude. I deal in publishing, entertainment, political advocacy. Wow, which one's log jamming? Yes, regrettably, it's true. <laughs> Standards have fallen in adult entertainment. It's video, dude. Now that we're competing with those amateurs, we can't afford to invest in little extras like story, production value, feeling. <laughs> it sounds like you're talking to an exec in Hollywood right now. But the brain is the biggest erogenous zone. Warning, maybe. Of course, you have to take the good with the bad. New technology permits us to do very exciting things in interactive erotic software. Wave of the future, dude. What's this guy work for Netflix? 100% electronic. Hmm. Well, I still jerk off manually. <laughs> of course you do. Now I can see you're anxious for me to get to the point. Well, here it is, dude. Where's Bunny? Well, I thought you might know that, man. Why would I? She only ran off to get away from that rather sizable debt to me. No, she didn't run off. She's been, um... I've heard that kidnapping story, so save it. I know you're mixed up in all this, dude. 
And I don't care what you're trying to get from the husband. That's your business. All I'm saying is, I want mine. Yeah, all right, man. I mean, you know, there are a lot of um, facets uh, to this, a lot of interested parties. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so what movie? Right, Big Lebowski. I told you it was easy. Totally easy. Uh, those of you who have seen it, you know what a cult classic that film is. Um, just amazing cast, amazing performances, amazing writing, amazing filmmaking. Um, it's perfect. Movie is perfect. If you haven't seen it, go go watch it. It's amazing. Check it out. And for those of you who are nerds, like I said, dudes over at Movie Tees, follow through. Uh, they actually have the Hollywood Lane shirt, so the place that they go bowling, which I'm fucking amped about. And the voice of the guy that you just heard, Jackie Treehorn. They have Jackie Treehorn Productions, which I want to get. It's so great. Uh, really cool company, guys. And I'm very excited about getting nerdy about this. Mm. Let's continue. Let's continue here. Uh, let's hit this scene. Let's see if you guys remember... Let me cue this little guy up. See if you guys remember this movie. And here we go. What do you think? the bag. Fuck you, I can carry it. I'm going to the bag. Keep the fuck away. What, you want to rip the fucking bag? Keep the bag. Knock it the fuck out. Keep the fuck out of here. Okay, okay, take it. Jesus, what's wrong with I'm you? I'm carrying the bag. Gary, you got it. Just take a chill pill for Christ's sake. Fuck you with your chill pill. Remember when we came in? No, that's towards Sears. Where the f- Which way? Which way? Jesus. But if you two aren't the biggest pair of fuck-ups I've ever met in my entire life, how did you ever rob a bank? Hey, when you robbed banks, did you have to look for your car then, too? No wonder you went to jail. <laughs> She's so Is good. Lewis? Is it? Lewis? Such a great one shot. Lewis? Is it this aisle or is it the next one over? You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. You're positive? Don't seem sure to me. Hey, don't say. Don't say anything else, okay? Keep your mouth shut. Well, I mean, don't say one fucking word, okay? Okay, Lewis. See? Just where I said it was. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, fantastic film. Amazing performance. I think it's one of my favorite performances ever from Robert De Niro. It's like the subtlest performance from him. He's so good in it. I don't even know uh, where he's from. I don't know where his character's from, but he's so fucking fascinating. And Bridget Fonda, not only is she gorgeous, but she fucking kills this movie. She's so good in it. Uh, and has the ability to play this manipulative uh, beach girl. And of course, the helmer of this ship, the man that made this film possible, Mr. Quentin Tarantino. Uh, and if you haven't guessed it, this is one of the greats. I think it's one of my favorites in his lineup, Jackie Brown. Not only is this movie phenomenal, not only does he bring back like Robert Forrester, 
and he fucking murders it. And let's not forget the queen of the movie, the reason why he made it, Pam Greer, his love for Pam Greer. And Tarantino's love for movies is no strange thing. We all know it. We all understand that that's what he does. He loves it. He loves to go back through his history and loves to remember the films. And the reason why he likes the films that he went and saw as a kid, um, and he went one step above and actually went and found all those actors that he loved and, and brought them into the forefront and made these films that became cult classics, that became blockbuster films with actors and talent that would never get that opportunity. Uh, so I respect him for that. I really do. I respect the, uh, the confidence that he's had for that. I respect the ability that he's had to actually reach back and pull the people that inspire him, bring up the folks that he came up with, um, and really sort of bring back a love for cinema. You know, for quite some time, his love of Grindhouse stuff really had me hooked and had me digging deep into the Grindhouse genre. You go back and you watch um, uh, True Romance, right? Which was written by Tarantino, directed by the late, great Tony Scott. I should do a whole episode on Tony Scott. That guy's amazing. Um, but if you watch that film, remember that sequence where Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette go to the movies? And what are they watching on the screen? They're watching Street Fighter with Sonny Chiba. I, that was the first time I was introduced to that. I remember watching that movie going, what is this film that they're fucking watching? Did he shoot this thing? And then I found it. I went and I did that dig, and I found Street Fighter with Sonny Chiba. And at the time, it was hard to find. I think it's now streaming on a bunch of services, but I've got it on like Blu-ray. I've got it on DVD. Um, back when I used to run my movie club back in Boston with my pals back in Boston, we played that film for a theater full of people. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Go check that one out. Street Fighter with Sonny Chiba. And for those of you who are Sonny Chiba nerds, you will remember that Tarantino actually cast him in Kill Bill. I think it was volume two. Uh, Hattori Hanzo, the guy that was making the sword specifically for the bride. Uh, he brought back Sonny Chiba to do that. Really cool stuff. That's what I like about Tarantino movies. And that's kind of the theme of today's whole show is like being a film nerd. And really loving cinema, loving the movies that you grew up with and understanding why you love those movies and sort of digging into that and, and finding the source of the feeling that you felt the first time you watched Die Hard or the first time you watched The Thing, right? Like, why did I feel that thing? Was it the music? Was it the acting? Was it the casting? What was it? And that's what I love about all this, man. As, and honestly, to bring it back to the theme of today's show and these, this t-shirt company, they do a really good job of it because every time I look at one of these designs, I start to think about that scene. I start to think about all my favorite elements of these movies. Um, and like I said, we would just watch Jackie Brown and these guys have the Cherry Bail Bonds fucking logo design. So cool. And these things are just, just slightly nerdy enough that you're going to weed out a lot of the pedestrians because <laughs> uh, they even have the address for it on there and everything and they at no point do they reference the fact that it's from a movie which i fucking love Whew. super fanboy today with this um let's take a break from listening to the, some of the stuff and let's get back to uh how excited i am about uh our 
music for this season. Uh, and this season, I mean this year. I haven't changed. If you guys haven't noticed, I've been holding off on changing the season because I have some big plans for season four. So we're just stretching season three out a bit. So let's call this 2021 of season three because uh, I've got big plans for season four for the show. And I want to get out of COVID before we get into season four. Let's say that. Like once we get out of COVID, Liam, you're listening. Once we get out of COVID, then we go season four for the show. Until then, season three. And this is season three, part two. <laughs> uh, let's play some more music. Now, another band that has uh, given us great stuff is this band, Acryl Madness. Now, I had never heard them before. Uh, and I found them, I think I found them through Instagram again. And I'm excited about it. Check this track out. Super cool, right? 
These guys have like that Carpenter Brute thing going on. They have that Justice thing going on. They have that Power Glove thing going on. Acryl Madness. So it's A-C-R-Y-L Madness. Fucking love that nasty, mean sound. Super cool. Fuck yeah. I am so excited to have these guys uh, part of the show. You guys are going to be hearing these as intros. You're going to be hearing these over the next group of stuff. I'm pumped. And there's something so great about this podcast. Bringing together really talented, really smart people. People that make stuff that I love. Uh, And that that brings me actually to uh, the, the future guests of the show. Like I've spent the past week... Like doing the hard work and contacting a bunch of really cool fucking people, uh, and I'm I'm breaking the rules a little bit, right? Because anytime you're supposed, anytime you do a podcast, anytime you do something like this, they always say find a lane, stick with that lane, and dig deep into that lane, right? So if that was the case, I'd probably end up becoming an unboxing fucking show where I sit here and they talk about the new gear because everybody loves to hear about gear, and then that gets a bunch of clicks and a bunch of fucking likes, and then that'll in turn translate to cash and then uh then i want to shoot myself in the fucking face because all i'm doing is sitting around talking about the same shit that every other one of these podcasts talks about and newsflash i'm not the only one in the genre there are a bunch of other filmmaking podcasts that are out there there's a bunch of great ones that are out there i go and i guess on a bunch of the shows that i like but what they all have in common is they're all talking about the same shit And what we try to do on this show is make it more than that. This show isn't just about filmmaking. I talk about filmmaking because it is my love. It is my passion. It is the way that I stay sane. It's the way that I keep from being depressed during the pandemic. It's the way that I stay focused and actually keep out of a lot of the shit that's going on around us because I have this thing to fall back on. I have this thing to be obsessed with. I have this thing to love. That's what I love about making movies. It isn't just about that for me. The show In Love With The Process is about being in love with all the elements that surround me, all the elements that surround my art, all the elements that surround my life. And that is music, that is food, right? That is people, that is stories, that is life experiences. All the things, surprise, surprise, that you need to take advantage of, that you need to be aware of. If you're ever gonna make a movie, If you're ever going to tell a story, if you're ever going to write a book, if you're ever going to do a fucking podcast, you have to experience life and you have to be willing to experience life from other people's perspectives and understand where they come from and understand why they make these decisions and understand what has influenced their fears, right? It's fascinating. That's what I really dig about this show. And as we push forward with this new, not a new season, this new part of season three, you guys are going to be introduced to a lot of really fascinating folks from different jobs, from different walks of life, all people that I respect, all people that I'm fascinated by, and some folks that I'm like, how the fuck do you do what it is that you do? Right? Because at the end of the day, that's what I should be asking, right? I think across the board, you guys all agree that if I get someone on the show, that should be the big question. How the fuck did you get there? How the fuck did you make it? Right? Because I know you guys are all asking that. You guys ask me that all the time. 
how the fuck do you do this? Well, let's find out. I appreciate you guys going for a ride with me on this. And uh, the show's not over yet. I just wanted to get into that. Very excited. I just got a bunch of really great messages. Let me see if there's any new ones. I got a bunch of really great messages this morning on people that have said yes to the show. (sighs) Blows my mind. Three years ago, I was in my attic in Boston doing this with my friends. And now I'm getting folks like this on the show. So (sighs) strap in. And all I ask from you guys is that you tell your friends about it. If you enjoy this show, if you feel like you're part of it, because you should, because the truth of the matter is, I couldn't do this show without you. Otherwise, it would just be me sitting here in my apartment talking to myself. Which, at glance, if you're the fucking Amazon guy that continuously rings the doorbell during the recording, he looks in and I look like a fucking crazy man because I'm sitting here talking to myself. But the truth is, I'm talking to all of you. And what I love about you guys is that you talk back. And I just read my statistics the other day. So I was going through the statistics on uh, Instagram. We're practically 50-50 as far as gender is concerned, which blew my mind because I thought this show was more of like a, a nerdy, you know, being a guy, I'm kind of a nerd about guy shit. But there are just as many gals listening to the show as there are guys. So, ladies, thank you for being here. And uh, I I see you. I hear you. I'm going to make sure that we have guests on the show that speak to you as well. Um, Because I'm curious. And, like, just having these conversations with, like, Leslie, Linka Gladder, and finding out how she got into the uh, television industry. The fact that she worked with, man, Spielberg and David Lynch when she started her career. She's an amazing person, an amazing director, an amazing mentor. She's fucking phenomenal. And um, I booked her on the show because I was curious about her career as a director. Um, But then since then, I've been getting a lot of messages um, from our female followers thanking me for having her on the show. And look, I, I appreciate that you guys really enjoyed that. I wasn't booking it for that specific reason, but... I just, like I said, I I find talent, I find people that make me curious, and then ask them questions. And so the byproduct of that is good things. So I hope you guys are enjoying the show. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. And like I said, please tell your friends about it. You are the first. You are the first group of people that have shown up. And I acknowledge and remember you guys. And if you've been following me on Instagram, you see that I do giveaways. We just did, last week we did a giveaway for one of the podcast t-shirts. I think I've got like five left. One of the podcast t-shirts did a giveaway to a fan last week. She's super pumped about it. I can't wait to get some pictures of her wearing it on set or wearing it at her job. I'm excited about that. Um, And as we progress, as promised... I'm going to be giving away all sorts of stuff. And to bring it back to what today's show is about, the wonderful episode sponsored by our boys over at Movie Tees, I have set up a contest with these guys. So as you go through and listen to this episode, and you go through the website, um, you're going to have an opportunity to win one of the t-shirts for the show. And I think we're giving out two t-shirts to two lucky winners. 
and I'm going to start the contest as this episode comes out. So this episode comes out next Tuesday. Um, what is today? Today's the 20th. So next Tuesday, I'll have the contest starting when this episode releases. And here's what I want you to do. Go to movietees.com. The link's below the episode. Super easy to do. You can do it while you're listening on your phone. It's fine. Go there and scroll through their list of movies, right? You can select based upon a movie and tell me through this list of films, what is your favorite shot movie? Now, what do I mean by favorite shot movie? Which one do you think looks the best, in your opinion, on this list? Now, that's a hard fucking question, gang, because like Blade Runner 2099 is on here. Close Encounters is on here. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, great fucking movie. Fight Club is on here. Ghostbusters is on here. This is a hard fucking question. I want to know from you which one of these movies has the best shot scene. Now, what does that mean? That could mean anything. That could be lighting for you. That could be blocking. That could be acting. That could be script. That could be casting. Which movie, which scene is the best on this list? It's a hard fucking question. I don't know if I'd be able to answer that one. So you guys got to work. You got to work for this free t-shirt. Figure out the movie and then we'll get you a shirt from this website. So I'll choose the winners, I think, by the end of that week. Let's say that we'll do that. And I'll put updates on, on Instagram if I have to change that. But we'll give it a couple of days. We'll give it like a week uh, for folks to do it. And it gives you some time to sort of formulate a good response. This is fun stuff. I think you guys are going to really dig this going through these movies. Fucking Ghost in the Shell's on here. I love that fucking movie. Um. So that being said, let's get back into movie scenes from this. There's another movie that's on it. And I would say this movie's probably, uh, most likely, uh, most definitely, on my top 10 films of all time. Let's see if you guys catch the film. I remember getting up one morning and going to work. Just another day like any other, except it was the first day after I knew about pregnancy. And I felt this fear for the first time ever. I remember thinking, how can I bring a child into a world like this? How can, how can a person grow up with all this around them? told her I didn't want to have it. And over the next few weeks, I wore her down. I want to have children. I can tell you now that I'm, I know, I'm positive that I made the right decision. But there's not a day that passes that I don't wish that I made a different choice. If you don't keep the baby, I mean, if that's your decision, don't ever tell them that you were pregnant. But if you choose to have this baby, 
you spoil that kid every chance you get. Brutal. Brutal scene. Brilliantly performed by the amazing Morgan Freeman and Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, have you guys been able to figure out the movie? Directed by David Fincher. I still think it's his best. I really do. And Fincher's done amazing, amazing movies. He's inspired a lot of you guys out there. Uh, a lot of you filmmakers out there, you guys all want to be David Fincher. You're all doing the same thing, trying to recreate his shots. But this is my favorite of his stuff. And I feel like it's the most organic. And I'm sure that if I have a conversation with him, he would sort of bucket this. But I think him working with Darius, uh, Darius Kanji, uh, created just really beautiful, dark, gritty, Los Angeles vibe noir. Uh, and if you guys haven't figured it out yet, the movie I'm talking about is Seven. Amazing movie. One of my top, top, top films. Top of the list for me. Uh, not only is it the compositions in this film, not only is it the cinematography in this movie, but it's the acting, it's the blocking. Uh, this film has this really nasty, dirty vibe which is so cool. And to think that this was his second film, this was his recovery from doing Alien 3, from the misery that he was put through on that film. And the stories are infamous. They're all over the internet. You can read about David Fincher's difficulties directing that and dealing with a studio and dealing with a franchise that came with a lot of stress. Because, I mean, come on, he had to follow uh, Ridley Scott. He had to follow James Cameron. And if you actually you dig a little deeper into Aliens and you listen to James Cameron's story, he had to follow Ridley Scott and he had a hard time making Aliens. He really did. He had a tough time making that. Um, so then uh, Fincher like stopped making films, from what I've read, stopped making films and then went back into advertising and commercials because he was one of the most successful commercial music video directors ever. That dude made millions on commercial, commercials and music videos. Um, and then uh, found this script by the amazing Andrew Kevin Walker for Seven, and uh, it brought him back in. And it's fascinating, because when you watch this movie, you could see him learning his techniques that he's since used in everything. You know, Mindhunter, right? Gone Girl, Social Network, all of his flicks since then, Zodiac, all have elements of this stuff. And it's fascinating. I like this scene in particular. And I know that's a strange scene to pick because everybody's like, what's in the box? And all that other shit. This one I love because it's simple. This is one of those scenes that you read on a script and you go, this could be boring, right? Because it's just two people sitting in a diner having a conversation. But it's a brutal conversation. Whether or not She's going to keep the baby that her husband doesn't know that she has. And she turns to his new partner, who she doesn't even know because she doesn't have a friend in the city to ask this question of. Right? Fucking brutal. And the way he does it is so perfect. So perfect. If you haven't seen the movie yet, go watch it. It blows my mind that there's a lot of young folks out there that haven't seen Seven yet. I know for a fact, I think it's on... Uh, HBO Max right now, it's definitely streaming. 
go check it out. And there are fantastic, I have them, there are fantastic Blu-rays for this film that actually have in-depth conversations on how he made these move, how he made this movie and all the technical stuff that goes into it. Because, um, you know, he's an incredibly technical director. Um, but it's one of my all-time favorite films. And uh, what is the shirt that these guys have for them? Which I think is right here. <laughs> they have the Crosstown Express delivery shirt. And if you haven't seen the movie yet and you watch the end of the movie, you'll know what that means. <laughs> that is such a deep cut. <laughs> Can you imagine walking around with a Crosstown Express shirt and everybody's like, this guy really likes packages. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. I love these guys. I think they're really great. And that's why I spent a whole episode. You've never heard me do this before. I've spent a whole episode really promoting these guys because I know you guys are all movie nerds. I know the stuff that you respond to. I know how you respond to my stuff on Instagram. You are going to love these guys. Like I said, contest starts next week. You'll have the opportunity to do that. Um, if you can't wait for the contest and you want to get some stuff from these guys, we are going to have a promo code. I think the promo code is just going to be ILWP, which will get you 10% off. And I know they have free shipping for purchases over a certain amount. Let me see here. I think I have a, I think I have a thing. Alti's just $21.49 plus free shipping. And the t-shirts are great. They're really great. The quality on them is fantastic. They have two different types. They have the more form-fitting type um, for those of you who think you look sexy. And they have uh, sort of like the band tra traditional heavyweight band tee. Um, like if you're like me and you're trying to cover up your gut a little bit. Uh, they work really well for that. And they do really good hats. They do all sorts of really great stuff. Um, I have got the Nakatomi Towers logo hat, which if you guys have seen me do some of my Zoom stuff and my live stuff, I'm fucking super nerd about this shit. I love it. And I'm, I'm not ashamed of it, okay? <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Um, all right, so before we get into our official ad reads for the show, let's play another track here. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, let's go back to Orkla Drive. And let me cue this fucker up here, and let's check this one out.
Okay, you guys know the deal. It is time to show a little love and respect to our longtime sponsors that have been with us since the beginning on this show. I am talking about our good pals over at Puget Systems. Head on over to PugetSystems.com if you're looking to build a brand new computer, if you want to buy a new machine, if your older computer isn't hacking it anymore, right? You getting that fucking pinwheel, that pinwheel of maybe it's going to die, maybe it's not going to load kind of thing going on. I fucking hate that. Uh, and you need a new system. You need a new machine. Well, I would urge you to look into buying a PC. And I know me saying that to some people is like saying, hey, you should cut off all your hair uh, and uh, punch yourself in the dick. No. <laughs> PCs are great. PCs work fantastic. This isn't the, the early 90s. Uh, they don't crash. They're incredibly stable. Um, and the thing I love about a PC is that the options are limitless for the hardware that you can put into it. You can build these things custom for what you need. And that's why I sought out Puget Systems because they build custom computers. They say it right on their website, computers should just work at Puget Systems. We believe that computers should be a pleasure to purchase and own. They should get your job done and not be a hindrance. Yes, what they're, what they're not allowed to say on that website is, you shouldn't be a slave to brands. That's what I like about Puget. Puget doesn't manufacture hardware. They don't make the parts. They do all the hard work. They do the research. They dig around and they figure out what pieces of hardware work with the software. What pieces of hardware work together? Is the newest piece of hardware on the market going to make my software run faster? Uh, most of the time, that's not the case. I'll tell you that right now. Most of the time, that's not the case. Oftentimes, like two generations prior to it, still works better. So if you're building like an After Effects machine, if you're building a, a Premiere machine, if you're into music and you're building a machine for your music programs, or if you're just a gamer, these guys are at the forefront, benchmark testing everything and putting it through their paces. So it's a great resource. So even if you go to them and you don't wanna buy a computer with them, you just, you wanna build your own PC and you're looking for some resources, they post all their stuff on there. They love to talk to people that love computers, and we also love artists. That's how I formed my relationship with Puget. We actually talked for a long time about movies. They helped me make my films. They helped make uh, Who's There, um, the short film. These guys have been there since the beginning. I can't be happier with them. I can't be prouder to have them as friends, let alone people that run a great company and do a great thing. I'm telling you, man, there are moments in your life where you have decisions, right? You make decisions on specific people to, get, to work with, specific people to hang out with, people that you want in your life. And uh, this was a good one for me. I love these guys. I can't say enough great things about them. Head on over to PugetSystems.com and build the PC that will change your life. <laughs> How's that for fucking read, guys? Um, also, on the show... Always supporting us are our good friends over at Quasar Science. I say this every episode. One of my favorite advancements in the film industry has been LED lighting. And you know that I'm a lighting nerd. I get obsessed with it. To me, great lighting is eating a great plate of food. It has that same, it gives me that same satisfaction. Uh, and one of the cool things about our industry lately is that LED lighting has changed the way we do it. These lights don't require as much power, which in turn means that you don't have to get a generator, which in turn means you don't have to have as big of a crew with it. Now, I'm not saying that it makes things cheaper. I'm just saying 
that it makes things a little bit quicker. There's something nice about being able to pick up an LED tube that's on and move it around your subject's face and just handhold that thing around to find the perfect angle because everybody's face is different, right? Some people's eyes are set back further. Some people have more pronounced cheekbones. Some people just have a lot of fat around their gut, around their fucking gut, around their fucking jaw. And so a nice little edge, a nice little cut on that gives that line of definition. You guys know it. How many of you guys are using those tricks when you're trying to make yourself look good on Instagram? The lighting's not right, and if I do the lighting right, if I go over to this window and I stand like this, then I look skinny. Yay! Well, you know, you're a liar. But also, yes, that's our business. We're in the business of lies. (laughs) Uh, We're making people look great every day, and LED lighting is a big part of that. If you are someone that is looking to expand your kit, if you're looking for someone uh, to get some new lights, people ask me all the time, Mike, what do you have in your kit? I got a bunch of stuff, but I do have a lot of LED stuff, and I do have a lot of great lights from Quasar Science. So go to quasarscience.com and check them out. Uh, I already did the Audible read at the beginning of the show, so I'm not going to hit you twice, but uh, definitely go do that. And those of you who are looking for uh, a way to sort of get through our list of episodes. You're like, look, I just showed up and you guys have over 100 episodes. I'll tell you, there are some great fans out there that have listened to every episode, every single episode. I just talked to a fan of the show that was listening to uh, all of our episodes while moving into their apartment. They got through like hundreds hundreds of episodes. They got through about 100 episodes just doing that which I thought was really fun. I was like, so now you're associating us with like unrolling carpets and stuff and cleaning your bathroom? That's cool. I dig that. Um, go to inloveoftheprocess.com. There we have curated all of our episodes in one place. Uh, not only can you choose episodes based upon subject material, so like if you want to listen to directors only, if you want to listen to chefs, if you want to listen to musicians, they're all chosen, they're all put together in a nice little spot. Uh, if you're new to the show and you want sort of like a greatest hits, like best of, we have our best 20 episodes up there. It's a good way to get a taste of what the entire show is about. Um, and uh, it's a great place to go if you want to support the show. We have a sponsors page. So if you're a company or if you're someone that wants to get on our radar and wants to become a sponsor on the show, definitely head on over to A Love of the Process and check that out. If you are someone that wants to donate to the show, we have donations there. We have all sorts of different ways that you can get the show cash without really costing you money, right? I know that's strange, but head on over there and check it out. You'll see what I'm talking about. Um, And as always, give a big shout out on uh, our In Love With The Process pod. That's In Love With The Process P-O-D on Instagram. Give a big shout out to Liam because Liam is back on the East Coast. He hasn't been on the show in a while because he is deep deep in a brand new course study that he's doing. Uh, he's trying to get smart with uh, with film. He's trying to get to the point where he's a film professor, I think is what he's aiming for. Liam's like listening to this going, Mike, don't talk about this stuff. <laughs> uh, but the kid's been busy as fuck. And so uh, I'm very excited that he is still with us. He has been banging out post-production on our episodes while taking on such a crazy a workload for his school and hopefully as we push into february his schedule opens up a bit and we'll have him back on the show as well we got a lot of new guests coming liam so you want to be back um 
So yeah, let's see, did I forget anything? I don't think I did. I think I got everybody. And I, you know, Movie Tees is our big sponsor, but we're talking about them the whole episode. Like I said, MovieTees.com. Um, that's it. We got a couple new ones coming on the horizon. Can't wait to introduce you guys to a few new ones. But uh, in general, I appreciate it. And I couldn't do this without you guys listening at home. And the, the best way to keep the sponsors coming, to keep the show alive, is to click the links below the episode. Just click them. Go check them out. Because they're traceable links. These guys understand when you come based upon those links. So yeah, that's it. Enough of the ranting and raving about our sponsors. Let's get back into it. Let's see, what should we transition with? Let's play another track. Let's play another one from Betamax. stuff right i dig those guys a lot so uh we're hitting towards the end of the episode before before we get to the part uh where i leave you <laughs> um i want to talk a little bit about uh the classics right let's talk about those classic movies let's talk about the movies that really sort of shape current cinema and uh really have advanced the, the language of movies the language of cinema um, and there's a lot of younger listeners that I've talked to on the show that um, have trouble going back and watching classic films. And I hear a lot of stuff like, well, people don't really talk like that. You know, it's in black and white. Um, the pacing's incredibly slow. And my response is always the same. Do yourself a favor and get out of your mindset. Get out of the mindset that currently exists with this stuff. Get out. Try to take yourself out of what we've been sold so much lately, of what we've been sold, which is like, this is amazing content. This is going to change the world. So much of the stuff that's coming out right now isn't. A lot of the stuff that's coming out right now is kind of vanilla, and it's not really changing anything. 
I feel like we're at that period of time that Hollywood was in, I think in the 60s, when they were just doing surfer movies all the time. Like right before the emergence of all of the young filmmakers that we love so much, right before Coppola showed up, right before fucking Scorsese showed up. I feel like the the change in the platforms for, for delivery right now that uh, has to do not only just with COVID, but also with ticket sales and movie going and streaming services. Streaming platforms really do provide uh, access and uh, work jobs for people in our industry because they are constantly needing to fill time. They need to create content that keeps you subscribed, to keep you hooked. Um, and a lot of that stuff lately just seems a little lazy. And I'm not dogging anybody, but uh, the algorithms just seem to be continuously propagating a lot of the shit that we really shouldn't be proud of, right? Like, have you guys been watching, what is it, the Bling Dynasty? What is this thing called? Hold on. guys are like mike this is what it's called yeah you have to deal with me while i like bling empire have you guys watched bling empire okay so admittedly on this show i have admitted that i will watch trashily watch the kardashians right and for me uh i think i sort of dived into that when finding something that really that i really loved became difficult the truth of the matter is, is that as I scour through these cues, as I scour through all this quote unquote content that's out there that's amazing, I just found it really hard to find quality stuff. And I don't know if you guys agree with me, but you know, when you sit down in front of one of these streaming services and you start to like sift through the selections and you're like, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that. Uh, I don't know. That's not going to be good. Uh, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And the next thing you know, it's been an hour. And you've just sort of been sorting through all this. And, and it becomes frustrating, right? Because you're like, I want something good. I want to feel something good. And I'm, I'm giving you my time, right? I'm going to give an hour and a half. If it's a fucking series, I'm going to give like 24 hours of my life to this thing. I want it to be good. I want it to feel like something I like. And I want it to have that level of quality. And so I just started to get really irritated and frustrated because being an old fucking cynical piece of shit... I was just going through this going like, man, how come they're not asking these people to make this stuff? And how come how come we're not getting the quality that we got before? Uh, and so I just sort of gave in and was like, well, I got to watch something and I want to get away. I don't want to think about it anymore. So I'll watch, I'll watch the Kardashians. And so that's what I did. Am I proud of it? Yeah. Uh, did I laugh at it? Yeah. Was it a good way to connect with Gina and my girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, do I think the show is good? No. Do I think that they do good things? Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever. So I just wanted to bring that out before you guys called me a hypocrite for making my next statement. I tried watching Bling Empire. Now everybody's going crazy for this thing because it's the big advertised Netflix mindless show that's out there right now. And so I watched an episode, and I don't know if you guys have seen the intro for it, but they talk about uh, the people on the show, which have made billions, they are the children of dynasty, like Chinese dynasty. They are the children or the wives of huge, like real life Tony Starks, you know, people that profit off of making weapons and that kind of stuff. And 
and the the trust fund kids of the oil companies, right? And the oil delivery companies. Uh, and I can't help but watch this show and think to myself, how, how is it that we're celebrating this, right? These are, this is, when you think about it, you, you sit there and you go, okay, so the oil companies, right? They have been taking tons and tons and tons and millions and millions of dollars uh, out of the general public and dumping it into their bank accounts, right? And then fucking up everything in the process of doing it, you know, between oil spills and between fracking and between everything else that happens with it. And so you sit there and you go, where does all this money go? And then you watch a program like this and you see like just the frivolous, like unresponsible, uninspired shit. That's where it all goes. That's where it all goes. And so watching that, I can't help but sit there and go like, I can't, I can't contribute to this. This is exactly what everybody's complaining about. This is, this is everything. Forest fires, this is all of that. It's all rolled into this thing here. And for some reason, we just don't acknowledge it. We don't acknowledge the individuals that profit off this stuff, that we don't acknowledge where this cash goes. And to make things worse, we've now allowed them to become popular. <laughs> To become gods in our current society on reality TV. We've seen this before. We just went through the process of dealing with the aftermath of a reality TV star getting too much power, right? And we're right back at it again, right? With this show and everybody loving this show and it's so great. These are the same people that are doing all sorts of social postings on the internet and this is important and then you just love this shit. Do you not think about it? Do you not see it? I don't know. I couldn't help but think that the other day. When I was watching this thing, and I got frustrated, and I went, fuck this. I'm out. I'm not going to watch this show. I am out. I have principles. <laughs> I'm out of here. So I went back to the classics. Last night, I went back and watched North by Northwest, directed by uh, the cinema genius, Alfred Hitchcock, the guy that has influenced so many different people, um, starring the amazing Cary Grant. Um, and it's a fucking amazing film. It has been so long since I've seen this movie. When's the last time you guys watched North by Northwest? The movie is beautiful. The opening sequence is gorgeous. And there's something so cool about being transported. I think this was in the 50s. I think it was like 56, 55, 56. Being transported into New York City, crowded New York City at that time period. And his opening shots, where Cary Grant gets out of the elevator with his assistant, and he's walking through the lobby, he's a, um, he plays an advertising guy, and he's walking through this big lobby in New York, and Hitchcock has all these elevator doors open, and he just unloads all these people, and they crowd around him, and they walk out on the street, and they just fill this frame with swarming folks, and it's all meticulously planned. If you do the research, dig around. I actually posted about it on my Instagram account. Uh, the storyboards. He is notorious. <laughs> Another Hitchcock movie. He is notorious for doing amazing storyboards and working with phenomenal story art, a storyboard artist like Saul Bass or Saul Bass rather. Um, uh, Geraldo. I'm going to mispronounce his fucking name. Geraldo Mickelson. 
Man, I'm a fucking moron today. Um, but his storyboard artists are fucking phenomenal. Check out my post on Instagram. Um, I just love it. I love the way he is so focused on taking a two-dimensional image and jam-packing it with as much theme, with as much meaning as possible. Right? Why is the camera at this height? Why is the camera this far back? What are the lines on the roads moving to the horizon mean? And where is our character sitting in that? You know? There's so many great questions to ask yourself when you're making a film, when you're putting a film together. Every time you turn that camera on, every time you move that camera, every time you pan to something, it says something. There's a language, there's a visual language going on in the behind the scenes of that move that is saying something. And there are so many people that don't understand that language right now. And you're just watching it. I just watched like the big new movie release on one of the streaming services. And it was dog shit. It was terrible. In the first like five minutes, none of the camera moves meant anything. The editing was like, what the fuck is going on here? It's the most pasteurized version of an action movie. And this is supposed to be the new format. This is the new formula. This is how movies are going to get delivered. We need to demand more from that. And the only way to demand more from that is if you guys go back and watch these classics. Now, watch that classic with Gina, and she asked me the question. She's like, did people actually talk like this back then? I was like, no, you got to understand that when this movie came out, this movie is sort of breaking the rules of how a lot of the other movies were made, how the movies were blocked, how the dialogue was delivered, because all that comes from stage play, right? So you're just seeing the language sort of shift and transition. And this is interesting because, like I said earlier in the show, I've been doing a lot of research on old Sanskrit and uh, going back to like the original languages of our species and looking at how those languages worked. And cinema is a piece of that. Movies are a piece of that language. No one really thinks about that. But we've come up with rules. We've come up with a system in cinema. A wide shot means this. A cut means this. A music swell means this. And it's all subliminal. It's all subconscious. But they all mean something. And if you go back and you watch some of the, the classics, the greats, because the, the, uh, the format isn't that old. It's only been around for a few hundred years. So you don't have to go back that far. And you go back and you look at how it starts. You go back and watch those old silent films. And you go, this is them figuring out what the audience reaction is, is if a train comes right at a camera. That's fascinating. And this is what, what uh, a character moving across the screen like this is. And then you can start to see where they actually move the camera. Oh, shit, the camera's moving? That changes everything. People used to get sick when they watched movies because we couldn't process it. Our brains couldn't process it, so they get queasy and they throw up when they watch the film. <laughs> One would say that that also happened in the, in the 90s when, <laughs> when people started doing what they called the MTV music video edits, where it was cut, 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 cut. You know, like the Underworld movies, swipe, swipe, cut, 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 cut. You know? Go back and watch the classics, and I'll try to give you guys a list of movies to watch. Whenever I come on the show, I'll try, remind me, I'll try to hit you guys up with some stuff. Go check out North by Northwest. It is fucking fantastic. And I also watched recently Hellboy 2. Hellboy 2 is really great. 
And I know you like Hellboy 2. Hellboy 1's fantastic, but Hellboy 2's really great. Guillermo del Toro made a movie that was at that same time period. It was in the 2000s. It should have been a movie that sort of fell off the map, should be like categorized with all of that other shit that exists from that time period. Werewolves and blue lighting and everybody trying to be the Matrix. But Guillermo is a, is a craftsman. He's got a love for cinema. He's got a love for monsters. He's got a love for VFX and monster effects and practical effects. And that movie holds up because of it. He's got a grasp of that language of cinema. That's why he's one of the greats. And it blows my mind that he has so much trouble making films. Blows my fucking mind. And you have to ask yourself that question. Why is it the people that finance these things, why are they afraid to go with directors like this? Why are they afraid to spend that kind of money? And the, the answer to that usually is, well, because the audience doesn't go and do it. Why do you not do that? Why do you not like this stuff? Why do you not have a subscription to the Criterion channel? I know you're rolling your eyes going, yeah, but everything's in black and white. <laughs> Come on, man. The Criterion channel is phenomenal. And I know sometimes it feels like homework when you're going through it and the stuff isn't all flashy and they're not like hitting you up with advertisements and they're not like saying this is the coolest fucking thing on the planet, but I, I'll do it for you. Get your hands on the Criterion channel. Go check out all of Kurosawa's movies. 100%. You're going to like them. I guarantee it. You will love The Seven Samurai. If you haven't seen that movie yet, you will love it. I guarantee it. And I know in the beginning you're going to be like, oh, I got to read subtitles. I do you don't have to. That's one of those movies that visually tells you the entire story. You're going to love it. And then you're going to start watching all of the sequels. You can start watching all of the, the additional movies that Kurosawa did in the samurai genre. Right now, I'm dipping my toes into Tokyo Noir. This is a whole period of time where uh, Japan was doing really cool Japanese noir films back in like the 50s, early in the 50s, into the 60s. Um, Tokyo Drifter, fucking amazing movie. Uh, really cool stuff. And that's just because I've been in that Jap like Japanese cinema mood. That's a big avenue and the Criterion Channel, and they're not sponsoring the show. I'm telling you to do that stuff to expand your minds. Because if you do that, and you start watching these movies, if you go back and watch like Lone Wolf and Cub, then you'll watch The Mandalorian and go, it's cute that you guys paid a nod to this. Or if you watch that famous Ahsoka episode from season two, and you go, wow, that one looks so cool with the fucking woods and the smoke. And they had the dojo, and they had that fucking side scene. And then you're going to go watch a Kurosawa movie and go, they just fucking took this right out of a Kurosawa movie. If you know about this as an audience, if you're watching these things as an audience, you're going to demand more from us. You're going to ask more from us as filmmakers. You're going to say, hey, I get it. What's the next step in the language here, fellas? What's the next story? And it isn't always just script. Good script is important, but it's not always script, man. It's how we tell the story. I just had a conversation with Liam last week, and he was talking about one of his courses where they have them read a script and then watch the film, which I think is a genius thing to do. If you read a script and then watch a movie, and he was reading the script for Moonstruck, right? Now, I have never read the script for Moonstruck, but according to Liam, he was like, it was boring. I didn't like the script. I, didn't, I thought it was awful. I thought it was terrible. I was like, did you watch the movie? 
Did you know that Nicolas Cage is in that movie? Did you know that Cher is in that movie? Did you know that they're amazing in that film? And he's like, no, I didn't know that. I was like, you got to watch the movie. Because it's a great example of how a mediocre script can be transformed into something better by a filmmaker, and by a cast, by actors, by all the elements that make up a movie. Really cool stuff. Good movie. If you haven't seen it yet, go back and watch it. Really fun, romantic comedy. Really good flick. Moonstruck. Um, but my point here is, if we all go back and watch these classics, if we're celebrating these classics, if you find yourself like I am, going through these cues, going, I've seen this movie a hundred times. I subscribe to the service and I already own all these on DVD. Why am I going through this again? And I can't find something that's great. And you start succumbing to these series where it's like, well, they kind of check off some of my boxes. Like, you know, like it's got some synth stuff in the score. Maybe this is going to be great. And then you watch it and you're like, it's not really great, but I guess it's something. Go back. Go back to the roots. If you want some homework, Go watch some Hitchcock. And not just the classics, not just Birds, not just uh, Psycho, but Rear Window. Watch Rear Window. There's a movie coming out late, the very soon that you'll see is a, essentially a ripoff on Rear Window. Go back and watch it. Watch Kurosawa. Watch the classics. Go back and watch the early Coen Brothers movies. Blows my mind because a lot of you guys are so much younger than I am. So when I start talking about classics, I start going way back. But Jesus Christ, we just got to go to the 90s for you guys. <laughs> go back and watch the Coens. I was just recently talking about my favorite Coen Brothers movies. And not just The Big Lebowski, right? Not just No Country for Old Men. That movie's amazing. Not just that. Barton Fink, amazing. Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing, old school gangster movie. Outstanding. Bashemi has an amazing part in that. Outstanding movie. But go back and watch one of my favorite of all time Coen Brothers movies and one of my favorite, I hate to say it, my favorite Nicolas Cage performances of all time. Because uh, he's had a lot of really great ones lately. Raising Arizona. When's the last time you watched Raising Arizona? And when you watch that film, chew on this little nugget. The Coen Brothers... I think we're also from, I think it was Detroit area. It was them and Sam Raimi. Don't quote me on the area, but it was them and Sam Raimi. They came up together and the Coens actually helped edit a lot of Sam Raimi stuff. I think they worked on the edit for um, some of his Evil Dead stuff. And so when you see Sam Raimi's techniques and you see the Coen brothers' techniques, they're from the same club, same group. They do a lot of the same thing with like violent camera moves, the way they edit their pieces. Very similar. They, two different types of filmmakers and two different types of subject materials. But they came from the same study of language. Pretty cool. Anyway, check it out. I hope you guys are inspired by some of this. Hope you guys come up with some uh, new ideas for stuff to watch this week. As you listen to this episode, like I said, follow me on Instagram at Mike Petchy. Uh, definitely go there. As you're listening to this show, I'm going to start the contest and once again, I'll run through these rules. Go to movietees.com, scroll through the movies, the long list of movies, just click choose a movie, and pick the one that has the best shot scene, in your opinion, out of this list of greats. Send that to me at, on uh, my Instagram account, send me a message, or you can email us in love with the process at Gmail. 
Send that stuff as soon as you come up with that idea. I think I'm going to give it about a week and I'm going to choose two winners. I'll do it live on Instagram. Okay. All right. That's an episode. I did it all by myself, guys. I did it all by myself today. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. A lot of great guests on the way. A lot of good episodes on the way. I'm going to wrap up the show with another track from Acryl Madness. Like I said, I am fucking amped with the new music on this show. Uh, And I know you guys are going to fall in love with it as we listen to it, as we get into 2021 on In Love With The Process. (laughs) 